You are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals, and sitting next to me in a very cool Long Beach apartment room yeah. is the one and only Wayne Randolph. You Wayne, say David Rand- Wayne David Randolph. I'm no sorry. Anonymity. It's been a while. I'm sorry. There's a lot of Wayne Randolphs. What's up? Um, uh, and the reason that we are in this cool recording location is in because the LBC? we have in the summertime. Yeah. It's not summertime. <laughs> um, I always think of that Sublime song. Hmm? Summertime. What does he say? Living ZZ? Um, it sounds like the weather's easy. I don't know. Oh, and the weather's easy. Yeah, maybe. That makes a lot more sense. Yep. Um, sorry. The reason that we are here is because we have a very special guest. Doctor, Doctor Kendra Bailey is Dr. here Kendra with us. Bailey. Hi, Kendra Lynn. Kendra Lynn Bailey. Yes, because there's all kinds of Kendra Baileys out there. Yes, exactly. Hi, um, and thanks for letting us be here. And she's a doctor, um, and we're here because Wayne has this rash. And <laughs> so weird, so weird. Not that kind of doctor. Oh, okay, so you're not that kind if, of doctor. If it's a rash on my soul or on my mind, I, she might be able to help us. Huh? Oh, that's good. Um, and I think that is the case. Well, sorry, not about you, but right. she could help with that. Um, Kendra, could you tell us about what is your what is your doctoring all about? My doctoring, <laughs> I am a PhD in psychology. Right on. So okay, so w- there are there are PhDs and there are PsyDs. What do you know? What's the difference between those people? Not a lot. Yeah. PhD is just like a little bit nerdier, mm. and we decided we wanted to do some more research. Got Why? It. I do don't you, know. Do you end up with more bills? More, uh, more loans in the no, end? No, not more loans. No, no, no more schooling? Yeah, yeah. It leaves more doors open in terms of academia because oh, cool. academia is snobby. But yeah. <laughs> do the same thing and know the same thing. But you can publish and... They can too. Oh, okay. They just, oh, wow. You know, it's just one of those silly... They just shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we don't know. Says the guy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, so that's but, how we're starting. But that's, but that's actually, I mean, part of that, the fact that you decided to be extra nerdy is part of why, that's why we're here. we wanted to talk with you yeah. um, is because some of that special nerdydom um, was revealed to us when I, I asked you what you studied and everything that you said, I was like, everyone that listens to our podcast or even like all the people that I work with need to hear. Awesome your nerdiness so um tell us a little bit about that nerdiness yeah so Uh, also sorry i keep saying nerdiness i should probably just say tell us about your research (laughs) that you did to complete your phd sorry that's a better way of saying it no it's nerdy and i fully we love it yeah we admit that cool and we embrace it too for sure so i have no shame in my level of nerdiness wonderful Um, So what I studied was uh, spiritual exemplars. So uh, that's essentially it was kind of a fancy way of saying people and particularly we were looking at what's considered emerging adults, but really it was college students. Okay. Um, So, you know, a little older than the students Mm -hmm. that you guys work with. Well, and is there, what's like the range of emerging adulthood? So the range of emerging adulthood is like 18 to 29. Okay. And it's kind of like in developmental psychology, it's this new phase of... We used to say that, you know, you turn 18 and you become an adult, but Mm. for a lot of reasons in our current society, that doesn't really happen. Especially with the frontal lobe. Exactly. Yeah. Also our like brain research. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just recently emerged. I mean, not that recently, but like, oh, five or six years ago. Actually, I felt closer to you the last five years too. It's because I finally became an adult. (laughs) Awesome. It's good. Welcome home. Same. same. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're adults. Yeah. Full on. Yeah. Not not emerging anymore. Okay. So you studied emerging adults. So yeah, spirituality, spiritual exemplar. So this is looking at like students who within their community were respected as like being spiritually mature and Mm. also ones that were considered spiritually immature. So those feel like 
not the nicest of labels to call someone spiritually immature. Uh So that's kind of why we went for the exemplar, non-exemplar language. Um, So it was qualitative research. So long interviews and really looking at what are the themes that differentiated those two groups. Mm, So we had um, the RD, like the resident directors of the dorms, nominate people. We just told them that they were nominated Mm -hmm. for a research study on spirituality so Mm. they didn't really know what category category, they were in or really that there even were categories because that wasn't the point right so what what kind of what kind of trends came out what kind of do you see any patterns there like what so we did So kind of like the three main themes that differentiated those two groups, um, we like the interviews really looked at a lot of different aspects of their relationship with God. And I think kind of an important framing point is that we were looking at things from a relational spirituality perspective. So that is kind of um, applying this attachment lens, which I know is stuff you guys have talked mm-hmm. a little bit about before, onto our relationship with God. Okay. So like that within Christian spirituality, the goal is that we're in relationship with God um, mm. and that we view our relationship with God in the same way that we view our human attachment relationships primarily. Mm. So almost kind of like we project that experience onto God. Got it. So if your primary attachment figures, which are usually your mother and father, yeah. are anxious or distant or whatever it is, then you might experience some of those things Very in your relationship God. with God. So right. this we we often hear and even just in our own probably our own lives. Um, one of the things we hear a lot about is like, because we call God father. And so if any of us have daddy issues, like that becomes a a stretch, right? It's a jump for us. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. That resonates. And so with, with your, um, with labeling or categorizing the exemplars versus the non exemplars, um, is, so is this the main criteria you were looking for is sort of like this relationality aspect to it? Um, is that, or were there other criteria you were looking for to be like, this is an exemplar and this is a non-exemplar? Yeah, so I mean, you know, there's lots of really nerdy things <laughs> okay. about like research design, but right. it really was kind of that, like there is within research, this nomination process of someone else is identifying them as that, but that kind of was part of what we said okay. about like mature in terms of their spirituality and their human relationships because those things usually go hand in hand Mm -hmm. and that we really wanted a range. Like we didn't just want kind of the, the real extremes either. Got it. Okay. And so uh, you conducted these interviews and then you did all the coding and transcribing and all of that. Uh And then some, some things emerge. What are, what are some of those things that emerged? So the first one was the two groups talked in really different ways about, um, the level to which they owned their faith. Mm. And it was really interesting doing the interviews because the students that were nominated as the exemplars, when we would ask them, like, to what extent do you feel like you've taken ownership of your faith? They would say, like, completely. Like, there was no hesitation, mm. no, like, thought. Like, they that was something that was clear that they felt on, like, a gut level Whereas the ones that were nominated as non-exemplars had like more questions about that for mm. themselves. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the first things. Can I stop real quick? I'm, I'm curious, especially at that age, I'm curious, um, was there a percentage of students that you saw in the more mature exemplar category? Um, yeah, I guess I'm wondering how many how many students at this age are actually saying like like they own it, like yeah, like they their identity is in this thing. That's a good question, and I don't is know hard to tell because with that this, isn't really what we were looking sample. at because it was like yeah, I, I guess frequency is what I'm asking, huh? Yeah, and like we had the students that we had, which in qualitative research in isn't a lot, period. you know, it right. was like right. eight in one category, ten cool. in the other category. Mm. Cool. So out of those, I withdraw ones. my question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm that's, asking. No, I'm asking a, the wrong question, question of the question. data. I just can't. Yeah, because I and I that's coming from a high school perspective, um, someone who's dealing with, with when we're dealing with seniors and we're seeing them kind of transition there. And Absolutely. I, I 
I would guess <laughs> just kind of anecdotally from the classroom, like maybe like one or like literally one or two students like per class, like yeah. a class out of 20 out of 25. Yeah. Right. So I'm just, I'm just curious if you were seeing similar. Yeah. So, and we, we do trends. have like a unique perspective in that we are able to, like we have a group of like 20 to 30 students sitting in front of us and right. Every like we're day. able to gauge the feedback that they're giving into us. And so we have, we have a lot more breadth yeah. um, to our like, shooting from the hip research right. Um, <laughs> right, 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 right. rather than like the, this like depth. Yeah. To this I just wanted to if it corresponded with, yeah. with what we're seeing. I would but imagine, you know, yeah. cause this was we'll like, hey, we'll take that. We'll take that as yes. And that was number ask, one. So that was the number one. I was going to ask you if we were allowed to ask you where this took place. So Biola university. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sweet. I don't know that stuff. Sure. Okay, so that was the first kind of pattern that emerged. So that was the first pattern that they that own it. Yeah, they um, own theirs. it. They're confident in or that. Or ask questions. I like that. They they know yeah. that they have owned their faith, mm. and that is something that they really integrated into mm. their identity. Mm. The second one, yeah, yeah, um, is was about their approach to spiritual community. So, mm. in creating spiritual community, and what we saw was in the exemplars, there was an intentionality behind it. Of I specifically choose friends to foster my spiritual development yeah. and my relationships, which I think is huge in college in general and then the ones that were nominated as non-exemplars were like took just kind of a more like i don't know how i became friends with my friends like Mm. we lived on the same floor and who thinks about that stuff yeah (laughs) yeah, so we became friends which is also a very valid way to make friends right totally totally. (laughs) yeah but, but i think that that's interesting the intentionality piece because i feel like for a lot of like modern evangelical um, people, when they hear that, that when they hear that, um, like, oh, it, when the buzzword of community almost mm. instantaneously gets translated as they go to church on Sundays yeah. regularly, or they joined a small You're group. You're part of a small group. Right. But um, that doesn't necessarily, like, that's not the same as intentionality, right? Yeah. Because even like going to church and signing up for a small group, those can be just as passive just as, um, I don't know, accidental, uh, not accidental, but you know what I mean? Like, but not this sort of like intentionality, the normal enculturation process. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so when you're talking about this, like intentionality, is it just like, there's like a few specific relationships or was it like, that was their way of doing relationship or Mm. was there any more, I don't know. Um, I think it was more about like it wasn't about their relationships in general necessarily. Mm -hmm. It was that they had specific relationships where the goal was to help them grow in their spirituality. So yeah, not just I signed up for this small group, but like I recognize that my friends and the people that I surround myself with are going to influence me. And so intentionally choosing people. Mm -hmm. So I think it was kind of about their closest Mm -hmm. circles of friends and who those people were and just in some ways being more choosy with it. Right. Yeah. Right on. That's cool. It's awesome. So there's three things. Yeah. So then the <laughs> last one um, is actually really interesting to me, um, and it was in the way that they faced spiritual pain. Hmm. Um, so part of what we did from this attachment perspective is we asked them to give adjectives that described their relationship with God and then tell us why they chose that adjective. Hmm. So what we're looking at. I'm doing that in the class next week. It's That's so super cool. interesting. Yeah. It was probably really insightful. Yeah, <laughs> what it's a very great insightful. Um, and so, what we kind of look at is: does the reasoning behind that adjective that they chose actually mm. back it up? Yeah, and that yeah. kind of again looks at this like attachment to God. Of okay, I'm saying God is loving, but then the story that I'm telling about why God is loving is like. All of this pain and it kind of like God compensating for all the horrible things that have happened in their life. That's like, I wouldn't really 
call that a loving God mm. based yeah. on the story that you told me. Sounds more like why, the opiate God. Yeah. For why yeah. you chose that adjective. Mm. And again, like those are things, that's something we all kind of do and right. view our relationship with God through that lens. So in the exemplars actually chose a lot more like negative adjectives. Mm. So like they would say distant or they would say, um, inconsistent like Mm. they were more comfortable being real about their experience with god whereas the non-exemplars it was all Mm. positive like there wasn't this space to like really directly face that spiritual pain which i think is a big part of that stage too and just in general yeah so there was more of like a authenticity and a genuineness in this is really hard sometimes and I can say that yeah. and that can be okay. Like that could be a part of my relationship with him. Right. Right. Like so I we, can face it. I'm just, I'm picturing in my mind. So I, I, you need to tell me if I'm crazy with this, but like the other ones that are giving you all like the, the cheat, the, I'm going to say cheesy answers if that's okay. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't want to say that. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to like, she can't. And I, and I, and I, I do, I, I do, I do say that from, from the classroom that, yeah. that I have the kids that come in and they, they don't necessarily want to explore God. They want mm. to explore what has been told to them about God, if that yeah. makes sense. And so I'm just wondering if like with the adjectives that you got, did you kind of get what we might consider like the traditional list of like God's kind of characteristics of yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard God to, to have a relationship with when you have your own problems. Mm. That's a hard, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I would say like the majority of adjectives were positive, even Mm. for the more mature students, but it was still that they would have one or maybe two that were kind of more mixed or more negative in some ways. Yeah. That they were. And the fact that they were sufficiently self-aware to like name those things, right. That they were aware enough of what's going on inside of them to be able to identify um, vocabulary that was consistent with their experience. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think a lot of times, like it's easy to say say things um, that we, it's easy to believe that we believe things, but not actually believe them. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Very epistemological of you. Can you say that? <laughs> Can I say that word? On, on, as in our other, as in our other cousin. What do you think are the main markers or indicators of a mature Christian? What, like age? Like, does it matter? Teenage, young adult. I would say that's like constant, like not just, well, not just like a Christian when they're at church. You're not just a Christian when they're around their church friends, but like a constant Christian that exemplifies what God tells us and how to live in the Bible and like their everyday life. And like around their, like they don't become of the world and like they show people how to like come to him, I guess. <laughs> okay, uh, probably I would say a marked desire to uh, for information, really, through books or coming to mentor figures. I think, um, yeah, just a thirst for growth and also an accompanying um, you know, accompanying action to that. Not just a thirst for it, but actual growth that follows through with it. I would say that it's like somebody who thinks about what God says before they think about like what they want to do. So before they make a decision, they don't just like do exactly what they want without thinking about it, but they think like, is this right? Like, does the Bible say anything about this? And they just use self-control and discernment. That's what I'm thinking. That's good. Um, okay, I have a question. <laughs> yeah. From from this this perspective, um, what can we do? Like from from this this from this third one that popped out, um, what can we do in the high school level? In the high school, and you, we we talked before recording. You, you've yeah. grown up in private school as well, and so you you know what it can look like the the Christian culture in the classroom. Um, there are some things that Chris and I do very intentionally hmm. to expand our students' understanding of, of who God is and, and their lives and how that relates. Hmm. Um, 
instead of us telling you like what we do and then you just endorse it, can you, do which that. I wouldn't mind at some point, but um, no, like what, what would you say in, 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 specifically to tackle that issue? Like what do we do in the classroom to maybe foster a, a more mature or a deeper understanding of, of God's characteristics? Right. And, Especially because we are, we are the pre-emerging, right? Like we're yeah, the, we're right what there. What are we called? Adole- adolescents. Adolescents. Yeah. So yeah, since we're yeah. the adolescents. Um, this is a couple years before they got to that study. So they got to that place somehow. So how do, how do we foster? And I know that we can't force someone to be somewhere. But, yeah, what are the things that, like, would be helpful and unhelpful right. to producing that sort of emerging adults? And even even if it is just just from your experience, just yeah. from things that right. you've seen, like, it doesn't, not everything has to be in research. Yeah, no, I don't have a research-based <laughs> yeah, answer yeah. for that one. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, but I guess, like, in thinking about it and even in thinking about, like, my work with teenagers and in churches and all of that, I really think just normalizing it, right? Like sharing our own experiences of that and like modeling that it's okay. And that we have the, that we have space for that in our relationship with God. And I think like, I mean, I'm sure you guys see a lot of this, but I think a lot of like adults that aren't as confident in their own faith, it creates some anxiety for them Totally, and they have to like give an answer to fix it. And the truth is there aren't good answers. Yeah. To I don't, fix I don't know things. is sometimes one of the best answers, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I don't Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me either. And it's one of my favorite things to say to students. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think <laughs> I, I learned think, it from this guy. I think that what we're pointing out, though, is that like if we're tying this to what we noticed earlier, there's a level of self awareness that needs to exist because I think that <laughs> yeah. for the adults that is anxious mm. about having doubt, um, they probably also aren't necessarily aware of the fact that that's what they're doing when they're crushing a student's question yeah. um, is good. that they're probably not completely aware of the fact that they're crushing the question because they're trying to silence their own doubts and trying to silence their own anxieties. Dude, um, we should interview you next, Chris. Fake, that was good, bro. Fake news. Um, no, that was good. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> but yeah, so if, if so much truth in that, like I, I'm thinking back even just a couple of um, weeks ago when we were talking to Scott and how Scott. he was saying that like the most important thing for like ministry how to's is to like actually be a mature person because like that's apparently that's kind of important. We can't just fake (laughs) mature. Yeah. If this thing is going to get caught, if this thing is going to get replicated, then it it needs to be mature, (laughs) mature Christians. Hopefully doing the replicating. Right. Yeah. Otherwise then it, then it makes sense why we would have anxious adults. Um, yeah. Emerging adults that feel like they can't say true things about God or ask. Yeah. That's something I've run into a lot. Um, with, especially with, with adults Mm. and people kind of in, in, in my, my age cohort, Uh, like Uh, the fifties and sixties. Yeah. The fifties and sixties. You're a dork, dude. (laughs) Um, can I cuss emphatically at you? (laughs) Um, no, but I, I, you see that a lot with, with, I think in in my age group, you see a lot of people who, Mm. Who were not even for me like one of the things I see is like that they weren't even given permission like it, yeah. to ask the questions. Right. Um, one one of the things that we do at least the way that we kind of frame it in in, in our class, um, we study the Shema from the very beginning, mm-hmm. which is this verse in Deuteronomy where it, where God is commanding His people to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Um, but the idea of it that it's there's there's two things there that it's he tells them to keep it at the forefront of their mind, to always be talking about this, to, to be working through this. Yeah. And so one, we kind of identify that this is a process. This is something that we're, we're constantly kind of evolving in our relationship with God. But that beginning part, to love the Lord our God with all, all of our heart. Um, I'm married. There, there are days, probably every single day, that there are parts of my heart that aren't um, kumbaya towards my wife. And mm-hmm. I for sure can say the same from her perspective. Um, and I think that like reminding kids that to love God with all my heart, like that means the part of my heart that's angry. That means the part of my heart that is hurting, that has the doubt, yeah. um, but that I don't have to make it a zero sum game that, that just because I'm angry now doesn't mean I can't come to the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or this kind of fake joy or, um, and I think that's something that's really big. That, that's kind of a running theme through a lot of our podcasts is, is how do we create space for people to even just to wrestle and to have those questions and to have those doubts? Cause if not, yeah, it turns into those anxieties, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man, I just kind of, 
talked a lot there. Sorry. No, yeah. We were supposed to be interviewing her, though. <laughs> Wayne, um, my next question yeah. for you is... Um, now, I think um, uh, on this topic, I, I, our time with the students is limited, right? We have an hour and a half, um, but then they go into other sectors of life um, where they might not have the same norms like our right so, so we want to we want to super model compartmentalized things. lives yeah we want to model things for them but I'm, I'm even thinking let's let's say you well I, you work with young people currently yeah. right okay um in your the practice youths. yeah the, the youths youth, the youths um <laughs> and and with the youth like you you probably working with a similar short time frame and giving yep. them like hopefully tools or food for thought or these sorts of things that can hopefully. help cultivate Gosh. some of those yeah um and i know that your your work right now isn't with necessarily the same demographic with the same goal but um if you had um a young a young person coming into you and being like hey i want to grow i want to be mature like you're talking about these things and and being this mature type of person being christ-like or godly or whatever um coding we want to use for it but um what are some things like tools in their kit that you would be like okay here's here's something uh, that you should get in the habit of, or here's some things that you could work on, um, or here's some things that you can think or say to yourself or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, what are those tools? <laughs> First of all, you guys probably have much more time with high schoolers than most people do. An yeah, hour we, and a half. We have more than their parents. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's don't and that's an hour dismiss. and a half at a time. And it's yeah. twice. That's twice a week. I don't mean, that's dismiss true. your influence. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I do think this piece that you brought up about this self-reflection, mm-hmm. right? Of really reflecting on where they're at in a genuine way is a big piece of it that I think is really valuable. And I even think about. I don't know why the term is <laughs> slipping my mind right now, but there there is like this spiritual practice where at the end of the day, it's kind of like what was good about today, like ah, like what like a, brought like a me daily closer inventory to God. kind of thing. Yeah, why am I? I I don't know. It will come to me. Is it the Ignatian you, examine? The, yeah, say? like an examine. Yeah. Did you learn it from Doctor Co? Um, I actually sadly did not have Doctor Co. That dude's but a stud. Yeah. He oh is, my goodness. He is. A good yeah. spiritual formation person. for sure. Okay, sorry. But yeah, so <laughs> something along those lines, okay. right? Okay. Of like, and and I think there's a lot of different ways mm. to do it. So I think that is like my main message too: is like find what works for you. Mm. There's not one way to approach this. Yeah. What like feels like it fits? What doesn't feel burdensome and oppressive? Because I don't think that that's what yeah. more, God would more religious want. activity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like if it's that, don't do it. You'll yeah. be all right. Like <laughs> I'd rather have someone just like listen to some music and relax in a spiritual way. Right. To some, to some people, that's just that alone. That message is so stinking freeing. Yeah. Right. Wait, I can, I can just be. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a hard thing for some of us Christians. Yeah. So I think I like the kind of I the way of phrasing it of like what drew me closer to God today. Cool. What pulled me away from God today Mm, and that and it really is this kind of like a mindful attitude of approaching it Mm. of there's not judgment in it. Mm. There's not uh, criticism for when we felt far away from God, but it's really just starting to notice yeah, for ourselves. And that's what you want is to feel closer mm. and to feel this connection with God, to feel that relationship starting to notice when do that's I great. feel close? It's really good. When yeah. do I feel far away? It's really cool. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm doing my lesson plans in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like really, that's what a great, like after, I mean, after, we just we just took all of our kids down to the Union Rescue Mission last okay. week, down to Skid Row and did some service. And um, in my mind, the whole thing was was hopefully teaching them how to love, you know, and teaching them about agape. And I, that those questions would be beautiful reflection questions. I think I'll I'll bring that into class this week and have them think about it. Like what what did we do that brought you closer to God? What aspect of what we did drained you? What yeah. what what were you like? No, this isn't for me, right? And and I like what you're saying too, like letting them like it's okay. That's an okay thing, right? Yeah. 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 And I Thanks. mean, That's good. I think it's probably challenging in the classroom setting too, because some of them what do you mean? don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. They 
don't like it's for a grade. And yeah, it's it, it really it's almost counterintuitive. To, yeah, <laughs> to, to teach yeah. Jesus in the classroom. Right. So you or, guys are in yeah. a tricky spot in mm-hmm. that regard of and so I mean obviously they have to get a grade, but it makes me wonder if there's a way to like even create space in that of yeah. like options, right? Mm-hmm. Of if you don't want to reflect on these things, like we're not going to force you to yeah. reflect on these things. Yeah. Here's something else you could do that's more academic. Totally. Right. That's good. Right. That's actually really good for, for, for other, especially for other teachers listening. Like we get yeah. a, lot, a lot of youth pastors and stuff, but for teachers that are in that setting where we have to give you, we do have to give grades. I mean, yeah. that is our job. And so it's nice to remember um, that we can, we can give options there. Right. Especially when it comes to their spirituality. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that there's yeah. like, one of the buzzwords in education is differentiation. We're supposed to differentiate yeah. our strategies based on learning modalities okay. and um, levels of language and acquisition and, and all of these differentiation strategies and we scaffold yeah. um, for the students. Um, but I think that it's also important for for those of us in, in the Christian school setting and even like I guess the youth pastor and like spiritual mentor people that there's like there's sort of like a like a spiritual differentiation that also mm. needs to take place yeah. that, Absolutely. that the silent retreat might work for like one person, but for another person that might be the very thing that like they're either not ready for or, or will drive them bonkers yep. and push them away. Yeah. Right. And so That's doing good. some of that like triage of where yeah. a person is and, and maybe not even, I, th- I think that like working with adolescents, um, sometimes I feel like there are things that I feel like I see that is going on inside of them that they don't see they're themselves. Not they're not aware of yeah. yet. And so, yeah. yeah, part of it is on us, like teaching, triaging. But I, I also think that, like, like you're saying, giving them some of those reflective strategies so that they can triage themselves in the space. Yeah. Um, so that they can the be tool like, in the space. where am I right now? Why yeah. do I feel these things? Yeah, that's um, good. When he said Jesus, and I felt this way. Like, what, what's yeah. going on yeah. there? Yeah. And providing the space to do that, I think, is. That's super cool because we'll, we'll, we will hear that sometimes from our from our students that man, um, I feel like I, I can I'm more comfortable in class, Mr. Randolph, or I feel like I can ask the questions here. Do you know what I mean? And we can give them that space. So that's yeah. And I think you know when I was doing more like youth ministry stuff, that is what students would consistently express appreciation for mm. too. Of even like ones that would come from other churches and just be like, oh my, like gosh. the authenticity and transparency, the authenticity, yeah. and that they can ask questions and that that was like welcomed Um, yeah tell us that you think this is yeah a bunch of yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. for sure awesome what other is there another another little tool or teaching we're not teaching strategy in our language but like just other strategy to 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 give or another tool to give to a student to like that just wants to be like and not even just the whole like being able to like self-awareness but like maybe even just being more mature human beings like push them further in their journey toward i guess maturity whatever that looks like Uh, maturity self-awareness that sort of stuff i mean i guess i would say kind of going back to that relational perspective helping them think about their relationships and the impact of it because it's not academic things that are probably going to impact their level of maturity or their spiritual development. Um, And there actually is a lot of like interesting research about the importance of conversations with parents and Mm. even like moms, Mm. I think kind of play that role a lot for kids. So even like, can they, have those conversations with their parents a lot of them maybe no right but can they find a mentor can they find friends so thinking about who those people are kind of like what we were talking about but Mm -hmm. that like i think an awareness that that doesn't just happen like it does have to be something that you choose to invest in what same same topic but just kind of through your experience and and you know, we asked you to kind of dust off some research, <laughs> and, you know, which, which which was a few years back. And you know, you're doing you're doing stuff, and you're out in the field and doing stuff now, and training people as well, right? Yeah. Um. What What are you seeing, just from your vantage point sure. in the culture, that is, um, seems to be a, a a stumbling block or a roadblock even to to spiritual maturity? What are some things that you see that are? Because yeah. Chris and I were having a talk today. And I am starting to feel my age in terms of the generation that's currently in my classroom, that we're 
there's enough differences in yeah. our worldviews now. And I, I would say I probably kind of pride myself on being the 43-year-old teenager. Right. And I, I, it's not working right. now. They're, You're they're, not cool anymore. No, and I, luckily, I, I'm not looking for that. I gave that up last year. But, but <laughs> no, but, but you know what I mean? But like, I mean, like, I don't even, I don't, I, I used to really be able to, um, to, to figure out how to get the gospel and get the stuff in, into, into their brains. Cause I, it's yeah. like, I, I, like I understood them a little more. Um, and this, this group, I just, I don't, I feel so foreign, huh. um, with a lot of the students. I love them. We have connections like that, but in terms of their world and my world, um, I'm ignorant. Yeah, and I, what what are some of those? Yeah, I, we were yeah. also talking about the the labels of like millennial and then yeah. this like then new digit, the generation Z or digitals right. or I generation or whatever we're calling them. But I think that um, you were like on the front end of the millennial and people, they made or, sense. Yeah, or, or at least you were able to relate because right. we close enough. But now that there's this like sort of cultural shift, yeah, there's. It's, I'm really seeing in the last two years a, a huge cultural shift, and so yeah. I'm, I'm just curious in their in their world, what what hinders them? That's a big question, isn't it? It <laughs> is. I'm kind of seeing the question on your face. Right I now. think like, I'm like, where is he oh, going? What with is this? It? Yeah, or, yeah. What what are some little things that you've noticed? Things that you've seen? Is that a fair question? That's a fair question. Okay. This probably feels cliche, but like <laughs> technology has yeah. impacted so much. Yeah. Like I notice I can't pay attention for as long as I used to. Yeah. And I have to be on my phone while I'm watching something. Yeah. Like we have this like such a high need for stimulation. Mm. Even like I, I'm going to sound super old and mm. stodgy, but, you know, like video games, reality is not as stimulating as yeah. video games. Yeah. So how are you going to go sit down and try to like focus intently on anything, right. let alone spiritual development, right. if you're used to these like really rewarding, entertaining, quick, fast quick moving. information. I think about that often about the amount of like students that we label like ADD and ADHD quickly. Yeah. Where it's like, or, or maybe they're used to consuming information at a, at a much rapid rate and yeah. then they come into class and we do it all crusty and dusty and Take make them sit. Take out your pencils. Yeah, right? right. And yeah, uh, yeah so that, that, that makes sense. So technology, yeah, it's just, it's, it's changing the game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and not even as a bunch of old fogies just saying like, "Oh, those kids on." No, like it's us too, right? right? Like I'm with you. I'm my phone's right next to us as right. we're doing this, right? Right. Well, and I mean, I, I think that that maybe that's a question like just in general to pose. Not even saying that yeah. like we have the answer to this, but um, our school four years ago, I think, implemented one to one iPad um, hmm. technology. Mm-hmm. So each student has their own iPad, um, and we have these. We're trying to create digitally stimulating, rich classroom environments that like try to trick people into learning, which I think like some of that is, is good, right? Yeah, but, meaning the more they're at, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But, then, but there is still that question then like, okay, if, if we're talking spiritual development and the ability to pay attention to where you're at um, and looking oh. internally and having reflective. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think like we'll have apps for like five minute fastings and quick, <laughs> a quick, I mean like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. all I have is five minutes. I'm going to do this, this spiritual discipline really quick. I'm yeah. going to be in silence. Like five minutes, like a long time. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's creepy. Cause yeah, I mean, cause that, that's like an admin sort of decision and a pedagogy decision of like that medium is sending a message Mm. and it is doing something to their spirituality. And it seems to be counterintuitive to any sort of spiritual discipline or spiritual maturity. Right. You kind of got to like pause, slow down a lot of times in order to be reflective. And I mean, it's, I think it's changed communication and relationships mm. so much in general that it's like, oh, we talked about this with my friend. I'm like, wait, you talked or you texted? Right. Like, yeah. you have to, like, clarify. And then you get that look because it's the same thing. thing. That's right. You get that look. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's I mean, a difference. about what you're saying about intentionality mm. and relationships mm. and, uh, like, that's the whole point of social media is that, like, you increase your network and none of it's intentional anymore, right? Mm. It, yeah. It's when it pops up in your feed, not because I was like, I want to see what Wayne is doing right now. Yeah. Like, I think about Wayne when he pops up in my feed, right? Um, not, that's not Just true. confess your love for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, no, I actually, I just Facebook stalk you every day. Did he post?
post anything. Um, Rarely. <laughs> Sorry. Who um, uses Facebook? No, yeah. you guys are dating. Yeah, we are, know, right? We are old. Especially with all that stuff going on, dude. Right. Well, and that's, I know that this might, is kind of like tangential, but Snapchat is like one of the primary ways that that's students are talk, interacting. Um, and I was like trying to figure out how to relate like <laughs> Jesus's inner circle versus like how, how do they qualify their inner circle? I'm like, is it who you have like streaks with on Snapchat? And they're like, no, like that's just streaks. And I'm like, so even the people that you have like a 300 day streak number. with, it's just a number yeah. that like has nothing to do with intentionality and cultivating relationship. It's just a... This app told me to send another message so that I don't lose my streak. I might, I might be leaving this conversation a little depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Your depression is my happiness. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, I I mean, it's maturity in general. I mean, I developmentally. I mean, things are just changing. There's just a lot of change. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just feel like I don't know if it's the vantage point of age or if it's just been around. I just. I love this topic and I love this subject, but I, I'm realizing just how, what a different topic this is when we're talking like now than, than 10 years ago. Right. Like when, when we started maybe in education. And I think there's just a lot of change. Know. Yeah, we don't know. Yet. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's like, kind of it, huh? We don't know the impact that this, these ways of relating and interacting mm. are having on us. So I think we don't know how to relate well in mm. it and like set boundaries mm. with those things. And yeah. I think we won't know for a while until, right. I don't yeah. know. I kind of, this is just my own thing. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be like cigarettes of like, everyone was like, no big deal. Smoke. And they were like, it gives you cancer. Yeah. And I feel like, which is the beauty, right? Be the same we actually, way. we actually kind of had that talk. We were talking about our, our kids. And like the their kids in our student, or I'm sorry, the, the students in our classroom right now versus like our actual like flesh and blood children, uh-huh. Chris and I. And I'm hoping that that they're just behind it enough that there's enough time there to yeah. like like unleaded gasoline. Hey, we thought it was good for a little bit. That's the beauty of being human. Like, hey, we were wrong. We can right. change. I mean, Christians, we we call this thing repentance, right? Like like you can you can do it different. Like that's the beauty of of being human. Yeah. I think. So and- I'm with you. That's that's the hope. We figured out it's killing us. And I think that it um, it takes some of that, hopefully, societally and institutionally, um, we become reflective enough and start asking the question that your study asked of spiritual maturity, right? Because if we're talking, if the question is how do we get more people to be connected to our megachurch so that um, our numbers can go up <laughs> and our downloads will go up and like then technology, yeah. technology, technology, or if it's how do we get students to be quiet and pay attention, then sure, an iPad totally makes sense because the flickering pixels will make their eyes stare more. Yeah. Um, but if the goal is spiritual maturity, then we're probably going to need to look at the tool belt mm. a little bit differently especially if it's those things that you mentioned like intentionality in relationships yeah. and enough self-awareness to be able to put adjectives that match your experience with god like yeah. i don't think that those things will happen yeah that's i mean that's my takeaway from this talk is um intentional yeah. and and with that i think it's oh, man we, we did we got into the whole technology thing but i think it, it it might be intentionally turning it off for a little bit so that you can seek god yeah. Um, cause I, I haven't found the app yet where I can just ask him all my s- questions and I will become spiritual, spiritually mature. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I, I have to put in the work and, um, yeah, it doesn't seem like we have a culture right now potentially that wants to do that too much. Yeah. yeah. So we have, we have a lot of like theology. So naturally, like a lot of this is like practical, um, as far as, um, personal growth and development, um, but I'm a, like, I'm not a Christian school lifer. I started Christian school in junior high and yeah. then like through high school, undergrad and graduate was all Christian <laughs> as well. Um, and are you, a, are you a lifer, um, in Christian school or pretty much a yeah, lifer right minus on. community college. Go awesome. Community Got, college. Yeah, yeah. Right. For sure. It's cheap too. Yep. Um, so <laughs> you've been around lots of theology. Right. Yes. Um, and not all theology. Um, naturally, the, po- the purpose of theology is to, uh, like, hopefully communicate truth about God. Right. Um, but not all theologies um, and discussions around certain theologies cultivate spiritual maturity or like the kinds of Christians that actually like live this thing relationally with God. And so, I mean, I'm even thinking in your own personal experience, have there been 
theological issues or ideas or concepts or weird Christian-y things that Christians do that just get in the way of people becoming mature Christ-like wow, followers. that's a good question. God. So... Uh, and yes, this can be anecdotal. It doesn't have to be research-based because it's your right. life. <laughs> yeah, what have you seen? I got that. Yeah. What have okay. you seen? I guess I would say for me personally, it is when it's more like this rigid communication of this is what being a good Christian looks like mm. when there's not a lot of flexibility within that to account for those individual differences mm -hmm. and that there can be a lot of different ways to be mm. a mature Christian or to be someone who really cares about spirituality and about mm. their relationship with God um, so I guess when I think about it, it's less about like the actual things that were communicated mm. and more how they were communicated. You know, I don't know if you guys had the song, but that was like, read your Bible, pray every day mm -hmm. and you will grow, grow, grow. Yeah. And I mean, for me personally, it took me so long to be like, I don't it, like, if I don't read my Bible every day, <laughs> I can still actually be someone. Yeah. The lightning bolt's really not going to hit you. Yeah, right? or, yeah. That like I could find truth in these other ways. There are there's lots of ways to cultivate an intentional spirituality. And yes, these things are good things. Right. Right. But when it's kind of like if it's outside of this box, mm. then it's not okay. I think that is what a lot, and especially if we think about adolescents in general, mm. they're pushing back on any kind of box and they need those boundaries right. and that creates that safety. But like, I think like, let's make the box as big as possible yeah. mm. to say like, if you aren't getting anything out of reading the Bible, can you take a break? from yeah. it for a while yeah. and can it be going on a walk yeah can it be you know mm. that that it is i guess going back to that like it's about the intention yeah. of what you're doing right and kind of approaching things with That's that good. intention That's good. Yep. and I, I think that i mean even this podcast is called confessions of a high school bible teacher <laughs> like our classes are called bible class but it's like we're also doing philosophy and yeah. theology yeah. and these other things. Yeah, and logic. I think sometimes in Christianity we can be guilty of Bibleolatry, like that the Bible is the third person of the Trinity. Um, Ooh, and it's not about it. relationship with God, but it's about relationship. Knowing the right thing. With, yeah, this book, which isn't a relationship because it's a book. Um, mm. And I, 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 even as you were saying that, like, it makes me think of well, 1,500 years of Christian tradition, like most people people were SOL um, because <laughs> the right? printing press wasn't a thing and yeah. scrolls are expensive. Yeah. So like they couldn't read their Bible every day. They could pray, 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 um, but they couldn't read their Bible every day. And so I, I think that either, like we, we sort of get in the space of either we have to discount the faith experience of thousands of people for 1,500 years or mm. we can build the box bigger and say that maybe some of these other spiritual disciplines and reflective practices are part of that yeah. box, that tool set yeah. to help us to be mature human. Yeah, that's good. I, when I hear that too, one of the things I hear, at least the way that I'm, I'm interpreting it, Kendra, is uh, Dr. Kendra. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> um, the, the kind of box, again, like this is what it looks like. It, ma it makes me think a lot, again, of like this outer man, outer woman kind of Christianity that um, that it's not necessarily teaching um, teaching them like how to think or how to interact with scripture. It's just this is and you even use that phrase like this is what it looks like. And so it's more emphasis like on our orthopraxy, like on just what we're what we're like. I don't know. The Bible calls it like I think Pharisees. Um, like, like we're really em emphasizing the, the outer person. And so, yeah, when we don't fit into that mold, um, yeah, that's, that's rough. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. That's, that's a good, that's, good. that's a good one. What, what else? Is there any other little yeah. ones you're, that, you're seeing there? Well, cause I feel like your answer kind of was like it's, all of it. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> like all the way that we do things that are like overly yeah. rigid and don't allow for the flexibility for, I just don't want, I don't, I don't want to jack up kids, man. You know what I mean? Like at the, end, at the end of the day, it's like I, I or how about this? <laughs> Maybe this is too much of my own baggage. I don't want to jack up kids the way that we got jacked up. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Like I, 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 in terms of intentionality, like I hope those of us, like scripture says we're judged doubly. You know what I mean? Like, like, like that's a big deal. And so I hope those of us who have been granted and, and graced uh, with the privilege to be in these kids' lives, like I hope, I hope in modeling and being intentional uh, with, with what it looks like to pursue God, I hope their baggage is different than ours. You know, I hope they have to deal with other kinds of, does that make sense? Yeah. And then the hope, like I'm this idealist that like we, we should be getting better. Like as, like it just seems like generationally we should be getting better, uh, especially if we're following Christ. And I, I'm just not seeing that. Well, and, uh, <laughs> so, as you were talking, one of the things I, I heard you say, like we're going to, right. we're yeah. going to, we're going to, we are going to, up. like, can you unpack that for me? <laughs> <laughs> so I've already come to terms. I was just like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but we've already jacked them up. But I mean, like, we are human. Yeah. And we all have our own baggage. Mm-hmm. And so I think the more that we can work on that for ourselves, the less that we're going to look to teenagers or whoever it is that we're working mm-hmm. with to meet some need for ourselves. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but like that, I mean, in this attachment framework, like you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> you just have to be good enough. Yeah. Um, and that good enough, again, there's like a pretty broad range of what that can be. Um, so I think I say that just to like take away the pressure that I know I put on myself right? the yeah. time yeah. of trying to be perfect. And again, I feel like that's the modeling piece for me too of like, yeah. can I be gracious with myself in that way mm. and own when I messed up or yeah. be able to say, Hey, I used to think about this thing in this way, but now I realized maybe there is value to being more disciplined in this way. So I think like looking at whatever strong reactions we have about something and kind of being equally Mm self-reflective ourselves of like, if there's something that we feel like super strongly about, it's probably a reason why and Mm. unpacking that for ourselves is probably helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's good. That'll preach. Um, if, do you have any, um, so you have a hypothetical situation. You have someone who's like, oh, I just got a job as a Christian school teacher. Or I just got a job <laughs> as like a, a youth intern and I'm going to be working with um, I'll pray for you. teenagers. Um, like, what do I do? Like, what What are some, what What should I, if you had to give like, like final word of encouragement, like, go get them, tiger. <laughs> um, what, what would that like, go get them, tiger message be? Like final words to them. That's a good question. I mean, I think I feel like ask more questions than have the answers. That's great. And uh, help them come to their own answers and provide some safety within that and some direction when needed. But can we scaffold things for them so that it's not coming from us and what they're pushing back on is just, I'm a teenager and Mm. you're the adult telling me what to do, but creating a way where they can make those choices for themselves. I love it. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Kendra. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm changing my lesson plans. So go get them, tigers, <laughs> and ask questions. Um, and be real and be reflective. Amen. Shalom. Shalom.